Thank you for supporting the Ministry of Victory Outreach International. We pray this message challenges, ignites faith, and that God would fan the flame that will produce a harvest of souls throughout the world. This morning, I'd like to have your undivided attention for just about the next 25 minutes. And we've been studying in the book of Acts, a very, very powerful book. And the last time that we were together, we were studying in chapter 9 of the book of Acts. And today, we're going to be doing two things. Today, we're going to be dealing with chapter 9, just a little bit of what we studied the last time. And then we're also going to take a portion from chapter 10, if we can, and also take a portion of that and also take a look at the conversion of Cornelius and how the Lord was able to move within his life and how the Holy Spirit was so prevalent in this story. First of all, the last time that we were together, we were looking in chapter 9, and there are two accounts that we have here in chapter 9, uh, beginning in verse 33, actually verse 32, and we saw Peter, and Peter moving in personal ministry. Now, before that, throughout the book of Acts, in the very beginning, you find Peter dealing with multitudes. He was dealing with 3,000 souls that got saved. And then later on, another multitude of people got saved, and Peter preaching to tremendous multitudes. But here you also find that Peter was also sensitive to the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit was able to lead him, he was able to deal with people on a one-to-one -one basis. And I would say that, I believe this, every preacher should never forget to deal with people on a one-to-one -one basis, not lose touch of dealing with people, with the hurts of people on a one-to-one -one basis. No matter how big a ministry gets. You find Peter a tremendous man of faith and power, but yet the Holy Spirit would lead him not only to multitudes to preach to them, but also one-to-one -one basis. And you find two tremendous miracles that took place. In fact, in this account, we're able to see the greatest miracle in the life of Peter. The greatest miracle that, in which God was able to use him as an instrument. Let's take a look in verse 32. It says, and it came to pass, as Peter passed throughout the quarters, that he came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydda. Now, before that, we find God moving in a very powerful way. We find God moving, and, and we have the account of the conversion of the Apostle Paul. And we dealt with his conversion. Tremendous, miraculous conversion. Someone that was persecuting the church. And then in verse 31 it says, Then the churches rest throughout Judea. Imagine they had rest after the conversion of Paul. They had rest throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and were edified, and walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Ghost, were multiplied. So, because of the conversion of the Apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus was converted, the church was able to have rest, and the church multiplied. You find it over and over in the book of Acts, the church multiplied, multiplied, multiplied. The church was growing. And then now we come again to Peter, the account of Peter. And it says, and it came to pass, as Peter passed through the quarters, and he came down to the saints which dwell at Lydda. Now, prior to that, let me just mention that Peter and also the apostles would have stayed in Jerusalem, 
if it wasn't for the persecution that came. See, God has a way of getting us to do what he wants us to do. They were comfortable in Jerusalem. Then because of the persecution, and also Paul was also a, an instrument that also, that even though he was being used of the devil, God was able to turn it around, and the church was scattered. And here you find Peter away from Jerusalem, and he's on the move. And as the church was on the move, God was using the church with tremendous miracles and great salvations were wrought through the ministry of the church, of the people. And here we find, he says, he dwelt at litter. And there he found a certain name, a man named Aeneas, which had kept his bed eight years. For eight years, he was bedridden and was sick of palsy. And Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole, arise, and make thy bed, and he arose immediately. And you notice the faith of Peter. All of a sudden he comes confronted with an impossible situation. But notice what Peter said unto him. All of a sudden Peter says, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Arise, make thy bed. And he arose immediately. So here we find the healing of a man that for eight years was sick of palsy. And he was bedridden for eight years. And all of a sudden, Peter comes, and in a moment's time, this man experiences divine healing. Here in the book of Acts, you see the church in action. Any church that is full of the Holy Spirit, any church that is ignited by the power of the Holy Spirit, there will always be miracles that will follow. The more we seek God, the more miracles we're going to experience within our very own midst, within our very own assembly, congregation. And then he told him, Arise, and he arose immediately. And all that dwelled at Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. You see the purpose of God? The purpose of God in miracles, it, it, naturally we know that Jesus had compassion on this man. But it was much more than, the, than having compassion on this individual. There was a divine purpose so that people will believe and turn to God. And every miracle that we find here in the book of Acts, you find that after the miracle, there were people that turned to God. And people believe. There's so many people that they can't believe unless they see. And they were able to witness a tremendous miracle. And it says they turned to the Lord. And then it says over here, now it goes from that miracle into the greatest miracle in Peter's ministry. And it, it, here we find a man that was bedridden for, for eight years. Peter was able to pray to Jesus and he lifted him up. And now in verse 36 we see a greater miracle. And it says, now there was a job for a certain disciple named Tabitha. And this is a woman which by interpretation is called Dorcas. The woman was full of good works and armed deeds, which she did. This woman had a testimony. Now, it very well could be that these people were saved through the ministry of Philip. See, Philip had passed through there. Philip was going everywhere, the evangelist Philip, and everywhere he went he was preaching, and he left converts everywhere he went. And all of a sudden you find that this woman, she was a convert, she was a, she was a Christian, she was a believer. And she was full of good works. And it came to pass, in verse 37, it says, In those days that she was sick, and she died. 
Now here's a woman that's not only sick, but she actually dies. Whom when they had washed, they laid her in the upper chamber. They didn't bury her yet, but they laid her in an upper chamber. For as much as litter was night to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they got word, Peter is in Joppa. They must have got word of the tremendous miracle that took place in Joppa. Or the tremendous healing that took place. I mentioned before, in the mind of these disciples, I don't believe that they were inviting Peter to come and officiate a funeral. I don't believe it. Some commentators say, some real liberal commentators say, well, they wanted him to come and do a funeral. But I believe these people were plugged in. They heard about the miracle that took place in Joppa, and they said, even if she's dead, if we could only get Peter over here, I'm sure that God is able to resurrect her and bring her back to life. So here after she's dead, what do we do many times? We figure, well, you know, it's, he's dead. It's forgot, you know, there's nothing else you could do. But over here, this, this early church said, no, uh, let's get a hold of Peter. And they sent for Peter. Then it says, uh, uh, and then Peter arose and went with them. And when they would come, in verse 39, they brought him into an upper chamber. And all the widows stood by weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with him. You notice that our work still carry on. Here she died, and the people are showing, look what she did, and look what she did when she was alive, all the beautiful works of this tremendous woman of God. But then Peter put them all forth and knelt down and prayed, and turning him to the body said, you can imagine that boldness, Woo! Tabitha, arise! And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and the widows, presented her alive. And what does it say? Again, the purpose. In verse 42, what's the purpose again? And it was what? It was known throughout all Joppa and what? And many believed in the Lord. So here you see... Account after account, the miracle working power of God. Not only do you find Jesus working miracles in the Gospels, but even after he says he, says he was going to ascend and that the Holy Spirit, they were going to do works through the Holy Spirit. He was going to ascend up into heaven, but that he was going to send a comforter and the Holy Spirit was going to do works through them. And you find the very same works that Jesus did. You find Peter and the early church were performing the very same miracles. Jesus raised the dead, Peter here raises the dead. Jesus healed the sick, Peter here heals the sick. And I declare to you this morning that any church that separates itself and begins to press in and seek the presence of God and the power of God within their lives, miracles and signs will follow. And I believe very strongly that in the last days, God is going to be raising up some miracle churches. Some churches that are going to be ministering under the power and might of the Holy Spirit. Not only salvation, but also healings and the impossible actually take place. Then after that, we go right into the story of Cornelius. Now, I'm not going to be able to give you the whole story. I'm just going to deal with it. Just to, just to, we're just going to deal with Cornelius and then later on, 
we start dealing with how the Holy Spirit, how Jesus moved in the, in the life of Peter. But we, first we're going to take a look at how the Lord moved in the life of Cornelius. But before we do that, I want Benji to come to the piano, and I'm, we're going to be praying for the sick this morning. And it's just going to take a few moments, a few moments. Just play that chorus anointing, Benji. Maybe you could sing it real softly. The Lord spoke to me while I was in prayer that there's going to be people that are going to be healed in this service this morning. So I'm going to take a pause from moving on to the next section that we're going to be dealing with with Cornelius. And those of you that need a healing, I'm going to ask you right where you are to stand right where you are that need a healing. You need a healing. Stand right where you are. Sing anointing real softly, Benji. Those that need a healing. Stand right where you are. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. After you receive the healing, I'm going to ask you to come and, and testify. Not today, but I want you to give me a note or somehow give God the glory and testify of the healing that took place in your body. I would like to have someone else, one of the brothers that you feel that you like to pray. I want you to stand alongside of that person, a brother or sister. We want to see body ministry this morning. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Sing it, Benji. Now, I want you to begin to pray. Begin to pray. We still need others. That We need others to pray for others over here. Quickly, come on. Oh, Come on. Katie, somebody pray for Katie right there. Come on. Glory to God. And let the power of the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. Fall on me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Anointing. Oh, hallelujah. Anointing. Oh, Holy Spirit. Right now we believe for the healing from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. Right now. Be thou healed. Be thou made whole in the name of Jesus. Be thou made whole in the name of Jesus. Be thou healed in the name of Jesus. Oh, from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet, receive the healing right now. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, touch right now the top of her head to the bottom of her feet. Let the electrifying power of your spirit begin to move through that body right now. Receive the healing right now. Lift up your hands and say, I receive it. Oh, I receive it right now. I receive it right now. I receive it right now. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Now everybody stand up for a moment and just raise your hands and praise Him. Say, thank you, Lord. Let's give Him the praise. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And now in verse 43, and I want you to follow with me in your Bible, and we find that after that actually took place, Peter stayed there for a while. And it says in, in verse 43, And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon Tanner. Now, you notice what he did. The people get saved. And, and, and he was just being led of the Holy Spirit. As the people got saved, then there were converts that he had to deal with and he had to minister to. So he would stay there for a period of time ministering to the people that were converted. And ministering to their needs and giving them Bible study and dealing with them and, and in a sense pastoring them. And here it says that he stayed in a, in a, by, in a place by the name of Simon's house and they call him Simon the Tanner. Now, this man that he stayed, this house that he stayed in, you could find that Peter suddenly wasn't as prejudiced as he used to be. In other words, God was dealing with him. This man, Simon the Tanner, was a man that was involved in, 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 in taking the animal skins. And he was involved in, and this was something that was totally uh, against the Jewish tradition against the ceremonial laws where he would take dead he would deal with dead animals and no in fact no Jew would even associate with a person like that but all of a sudden you find that the Lord leads Peter over to, to Simon the Tanner's house and he stayed there it's even miraculous even a miracle that he even stayed there so you see already that God was breaking down all the prejudice that he had inside of him Already God was dealing with him. And he was preparing him for what he was going to do in chapter 10. And then in chapter 10, we have the story of Cornelius. And it says in verse 1, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. So he was Italian. <laughs> he was an Italian. That's deep, isn't it? <laughs> he was a Roman soldier. But it says... And, and he was a Gentile. Now I want you to know this, that up to this point, salvation was first of all to the Jews, and then there were some Samaritans that were actually responding. There were some uh, half-breeds that were also responding. But up to this point, they didn't really deal with any of the Gentiles. And they had forgotten the commission that they had received. Ye shall be witnesses to me where? First. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and what? And unto the uttermost parts of the world. Salvation in the mind of God was not only for the Jews, but it was also for Gentiles like you and I. The church now is mostly made up of, of Gentiles, isn't it? Now, you know, Christian church is made up mostly of Gentiles, but in those days, it was Jewish. Very, very Jewish, very cliquish. And those of you that have never lived with uh, Jewish people, Orthodox Jews, you don't know how cliquish they really are. I come from New York City, and in my neighborhood, they were Orthodox Jews. And they totally separated themselves. They have their own schools, they have their own food, they have everything separated, and they do not mingle with the Gentiles. And this is the way Peter was 
Peter was like that and because he was and also all the disciples were like that because they were Jewish but here God is is bringing him into a new dimension the great commission that he had given unto them was going to be fulfilled not only in Jerusalem they were they wanted to stay in Jerusalem we have a tendency as people to always be disobedient to the things of God instead of listening and, and understanding the mind of God, we start letting our mind and our intellect take over. And they wanted to stay in Jerusalem. And then he had to get them out by persecution, and he got them out. And then even the, some of the Samaritans got saved, but then now he's even taking them into another step into the Gentiles. And the instrument that he was going to use for that was Peter. Peter was the one that was going to open the door to the Gentiles that God wanted to use. And here we find... A very, very, uh, very important moment where God is getting Peter as his instrument and he's going to use him to open and, and swing open wide the door to the Gentiles, the door of salvation to the Gentiles. And who does he choose? You see how God chooses people? He chose a man by the name of Cornelius. And he was a Roman soldier. It says over here that he was a, a, he was a centurion. That means that he was over a hundred men. He was in charge of a hundred men. And he was a devout man. Even though he was a Gentile, somehow there was a hunger inside of him. There was a hunger inside of him for the things of God. And it says he was a devout man and one that feared God with all of his house, which gave much arms to the people and prayed to God always. You notice that God takes notice? Doesn't, it doesn't only take notice that he was a, he, he was a, a devout man and he, and he feared God, but he also take, took notice of his giving. If it wasn't important, we wouldn't have it here. When it talks about that he, he gave much arms, mean that he always gave of his finances. See, when you have the love of God, you can't help but be a giver. God is a giver, and when you have the love of God, you become a giver. So not only did he, was he a devout man, he feared God, but he also gave of his finances. Now, somehow, he, he probably was what you would call the, the uh, Gentile at, at, at the gate, one of these converts, that he, he would go to the synagogue and he worshipped Jehovah God, but he did not practice the ceremonial rules. He wasn't involved in the ceremonial laws and ceremonial rules. So as far as the Jews were concerned, he was, a, he was still an outcast and he was a Gentile. But this man loved God so much and he was so devout that even the Jews respected him. He was not only respected by the Gentile world, but he was also respected by the Jews as well. I mean, this man had a powerful testimony. And that's without conversion. He's still not saved. All he had was a hunger. And what does the Bible say? You can't come to God unless what? Unless the Spirit draws you. And somehow the Spirit was drawing this man and he was seeking God and pressing in with God. And he was devoted to God, but he still needed to know Jesus. He wasn't converted because salvation only comes through Jesus Christ. He knew the Jewish God, Jehovah God, but he needed to know Jesus. And here he's going to be introduced to Jesus 
in this portion of scripture. So he was a good man. And then it says in verse 3, listen to what it says. And he saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, the angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. Now I want you to notice something. He would not have received this vision. He would not have received the vision of the angel if it wasn't that he was praying and seeking God. He says, if you seek me, ye shall find me. If you seek me with all of your heart. You want a revelation of God? You want to know God? You begin to seek him. And as you begin to seek him, that God begins to move within your life. This man had a hunger. He wanted to know God. And while he was there in, in prayer, and all of a sudden, he saw in, in a vision at the ninth hour, that actually means at three o'clock in the afternoon, the angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius, and he spoke to him by name. Isn't it beautiful that God knows everything about us and he knows us by our name. He knows more about us than we know about ourselves. He's over this whole universe and yet he's able to speak to us and when he speaks to us, he calls us by name. Cornelius. You can imagine Cornelius responding. Actually, the angel came and then spoke to him and called him by name. said unto him, Cornelius, and when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? He recognized this is something that's divine. He must have sensed the, the, the presence of the holiness. What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, What did he say? Thy prayers and what? And your giving are come up for a memorial before God. God has taken notice of your prayers. Sometimes we think when we're pressing in and seeking God that God does not hear us. We don't know how long he was pressing in. We don't know how long he was praying. We don't know how long he was seeking God. It could have been a, a, a long while. But somehow this man kept on pressing in. He had a hunger for God. He wanted to know more of God. He wanted a relationship with God. And God spoke to him and said, We've taken into, I've taken into account your prayers. I've heard your prayers. And I've also seen your giving. He sees you when you come in here and you don't give. And let me mention something to you that I was going through the computer the other day. And, and I wasn't going to say this until, until stewardship month, which is in, in, uh, in, in March. March we're going to be having a whole month. It's going to be Stewardship Month. And, and one of the things that I want to see, as a pastor, you want to see your people grow. You want to see the very best for your people. And believe me, if you want an example, you find out how much our church gives. We're constantly giving. In fact, Charlie, poor Charlie's taking care of the finances now. And I said, Charlie, you've got to have the faith, man. Just give it, brother. You have faith. Just, just give it. Give it, and it shall be given unto you. But we went over the computer. The girl says... One of the, uh, the girl that works in the computer said to me, look, these are all the names of the people that haven't given anything, and many of them are in the church. There's some of you that are sitting right here right now. You come on Sunday morning. You don't even take that envelope and give a dime in that envelope. And you don't pay your tithes. You come in, receive the blessings of God, and go back out again. Now, I'll tell you this. You're losing out on the blessings of God. God will take care of his work. He always takes care of his work. He, he don't believe me. 
to each one of these, able to raise up a thousand people to give. But sooner or later, there'll be a crisis within your life. And as your pastor, I want you to prosper. And as we follow the principles that are in God's word in giving, then we're able to prosper because we put our faith and confidence in him. We have to, we have to come to that place of simplicity with God. So this man was a giver. And you could see that it was a memorial before God. God took notice of his giving. I wasn't planning on saying it, but I just dropped it in anyhow. And then it says in verse 5, and he says, Now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. Now you notice what, it's so beautiful the way the Holy Spirit works. You know, I, I want that to happen. I don't know about you, but I'm hungry for that. I want Jesus to call me by name. He did that once, a few times. But one especially, when I was called to this ministry, he called me, you know, and praying, oh God, oh God, what am I going to do? I'm bummed out, man, I'm bummed out. What am I supposed to do? I'm confused. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit, Sonny, you know, Sonny, what did he do? He called me. I'm separating you for a work that I have called you to do. And it's going to be a work that's going to glorify my name around the world. It didn't happen overnight. It's still happening. It's not an overnight thing. I thought it was going to happen like next week, you know. But it takes a growing process within our lives. I think I'm finally, I think I'm getting, finally getting a little bit mature. I surrender to your divine will. Look at Peter, it's, it's in the story. It's none of us. Listen, we could come up with this holy thing that we're all perfect. We all are in under construction. And there's still room for growth in all of our lives. I'm still growing, and there's a whole lot of room for more growth. My wife tells me that every day. <laughs> but here you find that all of a sudden, Peter. What he did with Peter, he says, send men, he knew where Peter was, send men to Joppa and call for one Simon whose surname is Peter. He says, I want you to go. He told him the specific place. I want you to go to Joppa, send men to Joppa, and there's a man there by the name of Peter. And then he also said, he even told him where he lives. He lodges with one Simon a tanner. Imagine about how in detail he was able to give instructions to these, uh, to Cornelius's people, to Cornelius, he gave him ex explicit instructions, not only Peter's name, but where the address was and here, where he was residing, where he was lodging. And then they went ahead, and then when the angel which spoke unto Cornelius departed, and then, and then he says, he lodges with Simon and Tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou ought to do. And when the angel which spoke unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants, a devout soldiers of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. So all of a sudden you find God dealing with Cornelius. And he gets a hold of him. He heard his prayers. He speaks to him and says... Even though it was an angel, nevertheless, God uses human instruments. You notice that? Even though the angel came and there was angels that was, the angel was speaking to him, God still needed human instrument. He still needed Peter. 
They send him to Peter so that Peter, in turn, could give him the whole plan of salvation. And then the rest of it, we'll deal with it next week. I want you to stand with me right now. We pray that this message has encouraged you to grow in your walk with God. To hear more messages, visit www.visionintlstore.com. Thank you for listening. God bless you.